0: Welcome to Life Center Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and our church, visit LifeCenterNYC.com. Good morning. It is good to be in New York. I love coming back here and thank you so much for inviting me. I just love coming back here. And being a part of, yeah, life here, but also just to see friends. Life is about making friends, isn't it? And if you make a lot of friends, you've had a good life. And the more I study and discover about Jesus, he spends most of his ministry life just enjoying his friends. And I love that about Jesus. Jesus. And yeah, friendship is such a real part of who he is, and I love how God brings us together again and again and again. And yeah, being with you today is just very much that for me, to be with friends here. And uh, you know, I grew up and I always heard that God was good, but when I got older, it became clear that maybe that wasn't the best way to say it, but maybe a better way is that God is really good. (laughs) And then I got older, and I realized, well, that's maybe not the best way to say it either. But maybe another way is that God is really, really good. Ha, 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 deep theology. <laughs> like, God is really, 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 like, really, 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 good. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> Tell that to your neighbor. ha, <laughs> ha. The more I discover Jesus and the more I walk with Jesus, the more isn't that just what we want? We want to believe that even now, he's like really, really, like really, really good, like really good. And the more I get to know him, the more I'm discovering he is good, you know? He's better than I thought. He's better than I think, you know? And I love that journey of discovering God. Yeah, I've shared a lot of my story with you before, and I just felt to share a bit bit bits and pieces of different parts of it this morning. For me, my own journey walking with Jesus all started when I was 16. I was a Christian, but Christianity was here and not in here. How do you get it from here to here? How does Christianity go from a head knowledge to a relationship with a with a person, you know? And I didn't know. And then a man came to my church, and what he said would change my life. But what I didn't know... That day would change my life, not only then, but throughout my whole life. And this is what he said. He said, everything you do for God needs to flow from intimacy with God. That whatever you do for God should come from intimacy with God. And he said it again and again, and I thought, okay, that sounds good, but how? How do you get intimacy with God? Like, how does that work? I took the afternoon off, and I went and found a river. And I was throwing these rocks in the river, just minding my own business. Like, how do you get close with God, like on Monday and Tuesday? How do you get friendship with God or intimacy with God, like at the store or wherever you're going? And as I'm throwing these rocks, thinking about it, I hear a a voice in my head, a simple question. Hey, Dan, can I throw rocks with you? I'm like, what was that? So I kept throwing rocks. Like, how does it go from somebody's story standing up here to my world? You know, like on Monday or Tuesday, like when I'm doing laundry or when I'm going for a walk. How does that work? And then I heard that same thing again. Hey, Dan, can I throw rocks with you? I'm like, what was that? And this went on for a while. I'm like, okay, I just need to figure this out. Because if everything's going to come from this intimacy, I want to have that intimacy. But how do you get it? And then I heard it again a third time, hey, Dan, can I throw rocks with you? And I kept going, where is that coming from, you know? I don't think it's the devil, right? He wants to throw rocks at us, you know, not with us. It can't be me unless I'm going crazy. <laughs> but it can't be God. You no, know, God's out there, and God's amazing, and me throwing rocks is like, what, nothing, you know? doesn't really matter. Why would God care? It's not important. So I kept throwing rocks, but I kept hearing it. So I finally stopped. Jesus, is that really you, God? <laughs> of course you could throw rocks with me, but why? Why do you want to? And that's when I felt God look down from heaven and said these simple words, because you want to. I'm like, <laughs> that's it? He's like, that's it. And for the first time in my life, I discovered that Jesus was madly in love with me. He wasn't just in love with me for what I would do for him. He wasn't just in love with me for what I would become. He was in love with me for me. On that day, I discovered that Jesus likes me. (laughs) I do not like myself. Why would God like me? (laughs) On that day, I discovered like he likes to get up and just be with me. Like when I get out of bed, he's thinking, Dan, I can't wait to spend the day with you. That's who God is. On that day, I discovered the unconditional love of God. Do <laughs> you ever struggle with that? <laughs> okay, it's unconditional, but <laughs> I better do this. Okay, yeah, okay, it's unconditional, but don't do that. No, it is unconditional. Like there's nothing we can do in our entire life that will make God love us more than he loves us right now. That's right. And when I discovered that, it changed my whole life. I meet two kinds of Christians as I travel, those that are living for the Father's approval and those that are living from the Father's approval. So many that are like, no, 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 I discovered he loves me and I can live from that reality and serve him and do what he wants, knowing that he loves me. What I didn't know at that day was that when I began to discover it, I would discover it again and again throughout my life. My journey has looked like this. So many days I wake up, Jesus, good morning, what should I do? And Jesus is like, Dan, <laughs> good to see you. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that later, but first, here's more, my love, ha, <laughs> ha. Wow. Many days I wake up, okay, God, I know you love me, but what should I do? And God's like, Dan, good to see you, ha, <laughs> ha. Yeah, we'll do, talk about that later. But first, here's more, my love. Ha <laughs> ha. And life goes on and I'm like, "Okay, God, I know you love me, but what should I do?" And God's like, "Damn, good to see you." Yeah, we'll talk about that later. But first, here's more, my love. Ha <laughs> ha. Like the love of God is an unending ocean. And the Christian life is an invitation to wake up and discover the love of God again and again and again and again. And the more I wake up and discover the love of God, the more I wake up and discover there's more of the love of God. The more I discover the love of God, the more I realize there's more of the love of God. Like it never ends. Like, could the Christian life simply be God wants us to wake up to discover His love again and again? (laughs) Ha <laughs> like he's really good. <laughs> he's really good, like he's really good. Uh, when I'm 90 years old, I want to be in an old people's home. <laughs> I love those places. <laughs> you get to be with your friends every day. <laughs> you get to learn their name every day. <laughs> those places are the best. <laughs> and when I'm 90, I think it's going to be like this. Jesus, good morning. What should I do? I think he's going to be like, Dan, good to see you. (laughs) Yeah, we'll talk about that later. But first, here's more, my love. (laughs) Ha ha. And the love of God takes over. Love is the deepest motivator of the human heart. And when I know I'm loved, I want to love back. How do you love somebody back? You find out what's on their heart. What's on God's heart is the whole world that needs to know him. And it begins to move me and and lead me into that kind of a life. And so I just wanted to see God glorified. Yeah, you want a greater heart for God and for what he has for you in your future? Ask God for a revelation of his love for you. Because that's where it starts. And that's where it always ends. And the more I know he loves me, the more something changes inside of me. And I want to make a difference. And I want to do something with my life. Yeah, God, open our eyes to see who you are. In my journey, it's been my journey. I've shared so many of my stories with you here. Oh, man, the journey of enjoying Jesus. But very much part of the highlights has been recent in this last year and a half. I know we've had these crazy days of COVID. And yeah, you know, it is what it is. In my own journey, though, I can only tell you it's been the most fruitful year and a half of my life. All glory to Jesus. All glory to Jesus. Yeah, as I've shared my accident story with you a few times here last time, I remember every day now as I wake up, I don't have five minutes without thankfulness. I am so thankful for life, that God rescued me from my accident, that God rescued me from prison, that Jesus loves me. I don't know what to do. Like every five minutes, I'm just thankful, you know? And there's such a vying for our mind, isn't there, in these days? Romans 12, 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Colossians 3, 1, set your mind on things above. There is such a fight right now to set our things not on things above. And oh, that's where God wants us to live. It's oh, where he wants us to live. Why? Because he hasn't changed. Wonderful Jesus hasn't changed. And the more I think of all he's done for me, man, I just can't stop being thankful, you know? And it's really been my journey. Yeah, as COVID was going on, I remember last fall when, you know, we'd already had a lockdown and traveling was kind of not happening. I travel a lot and speak all over in the fall time. I've been doing that for 15 to 20 years. It's what I do with you through the mission, travel and speak. Last fall was the same, where I had a schedule. I had actually made the schedule in January, which was before COVID really started. So as it got closer and closer, I just thought, ah, I guess it's all going to get canceled. <laughs> and I kept praying, and I kept feeling God say, no, I told you to go. <laughs> I'm like, well, they tell us we shouldn't travel. <laughs> God's like, oh, okay, well, who's calling the shots? <laughs> I'm like, well, you, but, you know... <laughs> And God just simply said, check with people, check and see. So I checked and everybody was saying, come, come, come. And of course, I went through all the regulations of what's the safest, what's the best in terms of the testing with COVID and all that stuff. And man, everywhere I went, I've met with audiences. Many of them were weeping because I was the only outside speaker to come. They were weeping because they just want to believe that God was good, and for me to come and just say, yeah, he is good, you know? I was so blessed. And it got very personal as well. I was actually flying from Dubai back to the States through Washington, Dulles, and with a connecting flight down to Nashville. As I landed in Washington, D.C., the Holy Spirit said, get to Nashville earlier, And I'm like, what? I had a 12-hour layover, no big deal. And I'm like, how to get there earlier? So I went on the website of United, who I fly a lot, and there was nothing earlier direct, but there was one through Chicago. And I'm like, okay, I could do that. So I went through Chicago. Now I'm flying Chicago to Nashville on a flight I'm not supposed to be on. And as I sit down, the Holy Spirit said, give the book in your bag to the stewardess. I don't know what's in my bag, (laughs) so I look, and sure, maybe I should know, but I don't. Hey, you know, so I look in my bag, and there it is, my second book. I've written three books. One is called The Beautiful Way, Walking with God. So I start praying for the stewardess. Later on, she comes by, and I said, excuse me, can I pray with you or talk to you? And she's like, sure. I said, I think you're a Christian. She's like, I am. I said, I am, too. And I said, I, I, I want to tell you a story. She's like, okay. I said, I'm not supposed to be on this plane. I am flying from Dulles, from International to <clears throat> Nashville. And I, ha- I reconnected only because I felt like the Holy Spirit said get to Nashville earlier. And the only flight was this one. When I sat down today, I felt like the Holy Spirit told me to give me the- you the book in my bag. And I'm an author. I've written a few books about walking with God And as I've been praying for you, ma'am, I want you to know this. Jesus is with you. He is for you. That you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. That you're in exactly the right place. And Jesus wants you to know he is for you and with you. And she's just weeping. I'm like, what's going on? She's like, this morning I woke up and I asked God, am I in the right place? Am I doing the right thing? Is this the right place to be? And now you're saying this. Ha ha. (laughs) Revival on United. (laughs) That's who Jesus is. She walks by and the lady across the aisle starts talking to me. I got to talk to you. I'm like, talk. (laughs) She's like, I heard you talking to the stewardess and I don't know that God. I'm sorry, what do you mean? She's like, I don't know. I've been a Christian 20 years, but I don't know the God that you talked about. Can, I, can you tell me? I'm like, sure. <laughs> Revival on United. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit just nailed her. <laughs> That's who Jesus is. That's who Jesus is. Oh, I just love walking with him. In April of this year, I was invited to <clears throat> go to a school in uh, Arkansas, and teach, and my friend had said, "Come." And I was doing a little bit of traveling down there in that area, and I thought, "Okay." And I, I, I walked in. I'm expecting five to ten people. She says, "Yeah, we just want to meet you." I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> and she had been someone I had met at a YWAM school. So I walk into a room, 250 college students. I'm like, "What's going on?" They're like. They all want to know how to walk with God. That's why they're here. Can you teach us? I'm like, whoa, what an honor, (laughs) you know? What a privilege. As I talked about walking with God with these students, they're just weeping. Because they're not being told they can still walk with God. They're not being told that, that things haven't changed with God. They're thinking the whole world is like in this big question mark. And I walk in and have the privilege to say, no, no, no. Jesus hasn't changed, and He invites us to follow Him, and He invites us to walk with Him. And I got the privilege to do it. Around the same time, my friend, one of my, those of you know me, my story. I lived in Afghanistan ten years. I worked there in a hospital as part of my journey. I speak the language. One of my Afghan friends in America wrote to me and said, Dan. I want you to meet someone in, <clears throat> in Dallas. And I heard you might be running around and might be through Dallas. And I'm like, actually, yeah, in a couple of weeks, I'll be in Dallas. He says, well, I'm currently stationed with the U.S. Army down in New Orleans, and I can drive up. I want you to meet somebody else, a friend of mine. I'm like, okay, yeah, set it up. Let's do it. So a few weeks later, I walk in. As I walk in, my friend, who's an Afghan, speaks Pashtun, which is the other big language in Afghanistan, which is also the language of all the Taliban. As we walk in to this meeting, this man and him start talking in the Pashtun language, and it was very obvious that this room was filled with primarily that ethnic group. In other words, I couldn't talk to them because I don't know that language. So my friend was simply a translator for me. He could speak both of them. And we had three hours with this man. It turns out that this man was the man who saved a man named Marcus Luttrell from the U.S. Army about eight, nine years ago in a U.S. raid. They made a movie about it. And it was in the theaters. This man would be one of the higher men in the whole regime of that area of the villages of Afghanistan where all the Pashtun people live. And as we kept talking for three hours, I kept feeling God say, just wait, 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 wait. At the end of three hours, he looks at me and he says this through the friend interpreting to me. I don't know who your friend is, but whatever, he's, he, he, whatever he wants, I want to get it for him. And what I want to open up for him is every village in Afghanistan, in any Taliban area, any Pashtun area that he wants to go. I would like to get him there. I'll take care of him. I'll make sure he's safe. But that man needs to go all over the the heart of the Taliban area across Afghanistan. Uh, uh, That's who Jesus is. That's who Jesus is. We've all watched the horrific things going on in Afghanistan in August and September. And oh, my heart's gone out to all my friends there. But let me tell you, at the core, God is winning. At the core, God is winning. 42 years ago, we saw the big hand of Satan play his cards in Iran with Khomeini coming to power. And as Khomeini came to power, Satan played his hand with heavy, oppressive Islam. God has turned that upside down as today Iran is the fastest growing church in the world. A house church movement that is literally among the millions. Why? Because oppressive Islam woke everybody up. This isn't what we want. This isn't what we were created for. And today millions are following Jesus all across the country. That's who Jesus is. That's who Jesus is. I got to meet the man who's helping lead this, a dear Iranian brother, American Iranian out of San Francisco, and just a wonderful man, just filled with the love of God, just overwhelmed at what God's doing all over across Iran. As we've seen what's happened in Afghanistan, we are believing for the same thing. Historically they are very much the culturally the little sister very connected to Afghanistan and what we saw in Iran with the birthing of this great house church movement we're expecting the same in Afghanistan. Uh, yeah. Satan has played his hand with the Taliban but he's going to lose. Satan will lose and God's going to win. And we we will see millions come to Jesus. Yes, there's the oppression, and yes, there's the challenges of economics and everything else. When the Taliban, do they even know how to run a country? (laughs) That's another question. I lived and worked under the Taliban for three years in the late 90s, so I kind of know a lot about them. And let me tell you, Satan is not going to win. He's not going to win. And the days are just ahead that we are going to see millions. We already know over one to 2,000 Taliban that have given their lives to Jesus. Yeah. Those who are really into the Taliban thing, it's so few. It's like under 1%. Why? They don't believe it. They did not sit in their house and have a recruiter come by and share a package of what could be their future and mom and dad and everybody said, yeah, why don't you do that? That sounds great. No, the Taliban came in by force. The only reason they're following the Taliban regime and their <clears throat> values is by, by, because of guns and because of it could bring death to the family if they don't and they're scared to death to say no. And that is the major forces of all the Taliban. But across the Afghan world, and not only there, but all across the Muslim world, we are seeing a very strong growth of atheism all across the world. And we believe it's going to be the open door to the kingdom of God. Why? Because they're disillusioned with Islam, and they don't know what to do. So they turn to atheism, and that is just going to be the precursor to them following Jesus. And that's all over the world. And that's, yeah, we hear other news, but oh my gosh, God's going to win. He's going to win. He's going to win in Afghanistan, friends. He's going to win. Oh, I've seen the hand of God just turn things upside down again and again. I just had the privilege three weeks, three months ago to be in Brazil. Brazil is one of the biggest and fresh sending nations of the world of missionaries. I had the privilege to speak to 105 in one of our schools, and they all want to go to the Middle East, and they all want to go preach the gospel. Ha, <laughs> uh, And I, I, I looked at them, and I said, are you sure you want to go? They're like, we're going. you know. Even if you don't go, who cares? We're going. I'm like, yes. So good. Ha, <laughs> ha. Just to see their hearts so on fire from Brazil. They don't got any money, but they got hearts on fire. God's got money. Amen. Amen. Where it's His will, it's His bill. Amen. Yeah, God don't take care of the cash. I just had the privilege of being in Tunisia three, one month ago, in northern Africa, Tunisia, one of the nations there. And while I was there, a man said, can you come pray over my, my store? I said, sure. I go down and see this man in the heart of the Muslim area of the capital city of Tunis, in North Africa, in Tunisia. And he says, yeah, I just opened it nine months ago. It's, it's relatively brand new, and all we're doing is selling Bibles, <laughs> I'm like, in a Muslim nation, in the heart of a Muslim city? He's like, yeah. I said, is that dangerous? He's like, I don't care. <laughs> and I'm like, how's it going? He's uh, it's growing and growing and growing. He had a sign outside his shop saying it was a Bible bookstore. <laughs> and I'm like, are you okay? He goes, sure. And he shows me from the government the signed document that it was okay to run this store. And I'm like, really he goes, "Oh, yeah, they say it's not good, but they don't really care. They just want to let you know businesses have their way and do what they want." So that's what I'm doing. I said, "What's the dream?" He's like, "Well, Dan, I just got permission from uh, Tripoli, Libya, and I'm going there in a month to open a Bible bookstore in Tripoli." <laughs> I'm like, you are? He's like, yeah. I said, isn't that dangerous? He's like, no, God's going to win. Amen. I'm like, amen, <laughs> I'm with you. He uh, says, so what you do? He's like, let's worship Jesus. So six of us gather in his Bible books are in the open with the door open, worshiping Jesus for an hour. That's who Jesus is. Yeah, the challenges are real for this man, but this man, there's something deeper than the challenges, and that's who God is. And even in our day today, isn't it an invitation of the Lord? What's deeper than what we're seeing? What's deeper than what we're feeling? What's deeper than what the news says? What's deeper than the fear that's going on all around us is who Jesus is. And it can, and it can, it can so deep and deepen within us, and cause us to do exactly what He wants. All I, all I look at life with all this travel and COVID and everything is just the hassles have increased. That's all really it's been to, for me. I've had 28 tests. <laughs> yeah, I like swishing that thing around my nose. <laughs> you know. I had COVID as well, I had the dad, I got the vaccine, I don't know, what what is right or wrong, who knows? Jesus is right, amen? Let's follow Jesus, amen? we can't follow him now. Yeah, you can. I've just been traveling all over. (laughs) Uh, I got on one flight from Zurich, Switzerland, back to America. And there were 25 people on a airplane that's at 300. So I talked to the stewardess. I'm like, uh, not too many people are flying. She's like, nope. I said, what do you think? I, should I be flying? She's like, of course. I'm like, isn't it dangerous? She's like, ah, come on. It's time to go. I said, well, I'm a Christian. I want to tell people about Jesus. Should I wait and do it? She's like, No, go now, and we'll take you there. (laughs) But it was so nice in many moments to see, okay, there's there's this struggle going on, isn't there, in the the air, so to speak, of all the negative and all the heavy. Take a second and look at all the positive and all that God's saying and what God's doing. And man, that has been such a clear word for me, Colossians 3.1, setting my mind on things above. Setting my mind. I'm not, it's not putting it there and taking it off. No, I'm leaving it there. Amen. And it's changing my life. <clears throat> and I've seen that throughout my life so many times, seeing God's hand. Probably the biggest one came when I was in Iran. Many of you have heard that story here, where I went to Iran. I'd lived in Afghanistan 10 years, which is the same language as, as Iran. Me and my good friend, A South African, we're praying one day about visiting Iran. I have two passports, Swiss and American. My dad is Swiss. My friend was South African. Long story short, God began to impress on our hearts to go into Iran, and we decided to go. And we had two weeks in Iran. This was before we heard about all this house church movement. So we didn't know what was going on. All we knew is that it could be really scary, you know? And I remember the first night I was there, I'm eating a hamburger. (laughs) Life's good. (laughs) And this guy walks up to me. And he said, do you speak English? I said, yes. He said, I'm Iranian, and I speak English too. And where are you from? I said, America. They said, oh, I heard Americans know about Jesus. I said, some do. I do. He's like, can you tell me? I'm like, sure. We go to his house. He gathers 50 people. We spend the night talking about Jesus. And I just began to discover, wait a minute, something's going on. We hear all the oppression, all this, but among the masses, among the people, and we had that for two weeks. Every night, they were inviting us to their homes. We got to enjoy their hospitality. It was amazing to see the beginnings of this hunger grumbling going on way below all the oppression that we see. But it was at the end of this trip that things changed for me and my friend. As we got to the border, they checked everyone through that was on the local bus we were on, except for me and my friend. They took our passports. Instead of stamping and giving them back, they took them to another room. As they took them to another room, they finally came back. The bus had already left. Me and my friend were still standing there. We're like, what happened? I can speak their language. They said, come with us. They took us to this building, and that's when they began to beat us. For about, yeah, five, six hours, they beat me, hitting me in the face, punching me, spitting on me, yelling at me. They'd been doing the same to my friend in another, another part of the building. They brought us together. They took off our glasses and blindfolded us, led us down these stairs. As they led us down these stairs, that's when they put us into prison clothes, Separated us, and without any explanation, they put me into one prison cell and my friend into another one, and we were imprisoned in Iran. What is life like in prison in Iran? The first thing I want to tell you is about the goodness of God. Why? Because He's still good even when you don't feel it, He's still good even when it makes no sense, He's still good even when it seems crazy. The first thing I did in prison was I cried out to God, God, how long will I be here? And I felt like God said, you're going to be here for nine weeks. I was like, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. <laughs> you know, I can get it wrong sometimes, you know? Maybe the nine was right, nine minutes. <laughs> I never knew one day to the next how long I would be there. But the day I was released was nine weeks to the minute. Because God's still in charge. Amen? God's still in charge today. He's still in charge, and he's winning. Ha <laughs> ha. Oh, yeah. My cell was a little cell like this. I was alone the whole time, sleeping on the floor. No mattress, toilet in a sink, and this was my life. Yeah, I'd sit there every day. They fed me twice a day. They would give me a plate, and I would stick it out, and they'd put on the food and stuff on there. Yeah, the first day, the food was not very good, rice and veggies. But I remember that first day, they gave me three sugar cubes. And I'm like, I wonder what that's for. And then I later, they gave me a cup of tea. And I'm like, oh, it's for the tea. And I thought, well, oh, wait a minute. I don't need to put in the tea. I can save the sugar cubes. Because you never know when you need a sugar cube. <laughs> So later that next time I got fed, they gave me more sugar cubes. So after a while, I had like a lot of sugar cubes. And then one day when they came by with the cart, I'm thinking, where are they getting the sugar cubes from? And I noticed there were boxes on their cart of food with the sugar cubes, so I'm like, can I have a whole box of that? He's like, sure. And I had over 1,000 sugar cubes. They're so much fun to have with a sugar cube, it really is, you know. Every day I would make buildings, you know, (laughs) cities, you know. Forget Legos. I got sugar cubes. And I remember one day building, and they would look at me like this through the pico, the guards, and uh, they're like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, this guy's been here too long. (laughs) Ha-ha, sugar cubes. But yeah, all I can tell you is about the goodness of God. The goodness of God is still good. They took me one day to a courthouse. Let me tell you this story. I did not know why. They did they get me there and they said, Oh, sir, it's your trial. I'm like, I have a trial? They're like, yes, today. They said you have two death sentences on your life. One for being a missionary and one for being a spy. I'm like, what? Had no idea. <laughs> As I walk in, sure enough, it looked like a courtroom, hundreds of people, and they have me there in my prison clothes standing there, and I'll never forget standing there, and in walks a judge. And he looks at me and he says this He said, Sir, this is your trial, this is your last chance to speak. Tell us why. Why did you come to Iran? I would love to tell you, I was not afraid. No, I was afraid. I'm shaking. But something is greater than the fear that we struggle with. And it's simply God. And I remember shaking and something happened. A scripture pops up into my mind. Matthew 10, 19. Don't be afraid or don't worry what you're going to say when you're called before the authorities. For at that time, I'll give you the words to say. And I stood there and I looked at the judge and I'm like, Sir, I came here to tell you about Jesus Christ. (laughs) I'm like, what did I say? <laughs> but as soon as I said it, something woke up inside of me. The truth of who I really was, the reality of what God had done in my life, was greater than the fear I was facing. It was greater than what they were trying to put on me. And it started to wake up. And I said it a second time and a third time. And every time I said it, the fear started to fall. And I ended up preaching over half an hour. I'm like, Jesus loves you, and he loves you, and he loves you. And I just got going. And then I realized something else. I was free. I was actually free. Why? Because you can't kill a dead man. Wow. You can't kill a dead man. So what? They kill this body. My home is heaven. And I'm going home to heaven. And they can get rid of this body. But they cannot touch what God's done in my heart. Amen. Ha, ha, ha. And I kept preaching. Ha, ha. They didn't kill me.
1: <laughs>
0: you probably realize that. <clears throat> My friend was released after five weeks. He had a phone call from Nelson Mandela, who was the president of South Africa at the time. They were the biggest buyer of oil from Iran. He got out in 24 hours when that phone call happened. I remember when he left, like, why does he get to go and not me? (laughs) Something else Jesus did in my heart was a process. This started in the very first day I was there. The very first day I was beaten by a man, and I had no idea that I would get beaten by that same man many, many times again, but only by that man. And that first day he's beating me, wonderful Jesus said this, Dan, I want to teach you to love your enemies. I'm like, not a good time. (laughs) Not a good time. And then... (laughs) And wonderful Jesus said it again. Dan, I want to teach you to love your enemies. And I'm thinking of all the injustice, of all the things that are wrong with that moment, like to love this guy, like no, 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 no. And wonderful Jesus changed the subject. I love when Jesus changes the subject. Oh, that we would let Jesus change the subject again and again and again and again. Why? Because he wants our best. He's got our best in mind. And I'm standing there, and I'm filled with all this injustice. My mind is on something else. And wonderful Jesus said, Dan, ask me what I think of him. And he changed the subject. Uh, Ah, okay, God, what do you think of this guy? And the love of God hit me. That God loved him. God had always loved him. That God knew his name. God knew the name of his wife and his kids there was only one challenge and it was that he didn't know it. I'm like, God, you really love him? He's like, Dan, more than you'll ever know. I'm like, God, change my heart. And all glory to Jesus, in the coming weeks, God changed my heart. And I started to bless him and say nice things about him and pray for him. I'll never forget the last day I saw him. I had no idea it would be the last day I'd see him. But they take me into the room. As they take me into the room, I'm standing there. As I'm standing there shaking, ready to get beaten again, something happened. (laughs) Ha ha, Jesus. And he looks at me, and I look at him, and I said, sir, if I'm going to see you every day, the rest of my life, let's be friends. He's like, what? (laughs) I'm like, sir, let's be friends. He's like, never. And something woke up within me. Like, what is God's bigger picture? What is God's bigger plan? And I wanted to lean into that more than how I felt. Amen. And I'm like, sir, no, let's be friends. And we can start by exchanging names. He's like, uh, no, we'll not do it. And something just rose within me again. I said, no, sir, let's be friends, exchange names. My name was 58 because I was the number of myself. He had never told me his name. And then I stuck out my hand like this. I said, let's be friends. And that's when he froze. Then he starts to look around. It's just me and him in there. Then he took his hand out of his pocket, and he shook my hand. When he shook my hand, he wouldn't let go. Then tears started to roll down his face. And he looked at me and he said, Dan. And he called me by my name. He said, my name is Razak, a common Iranian name, and I would love to be your friend. <laughs> there is no heart too hard for Jesus. Jesus can change the hardest heart. And he wiped the tears from his eyes. He's like, Dan, I'm so glad we're friends. <laughs> like, yeah, me too. <laughs> He's like, Dan, I'm so, so sorry. I said, I forgive you. Let's go forward. He's like, yeah, but I can't get you out. I said, I know that. He goes, I have some authority in the prison. You want anything in the prison? I'm like, yeah, I want a bigger room. (laughs) More room for my sugar cube buildings. (laughs) He's like, you got a lot of sugar cubes? I'm like, oh, yeah. (laughs) He's like, let me see what I can do. And I've never seen that man again in my life. And later that night, the night guards came and said, Sir, we have orders to move you to a bigger cell. Because there's no heart too hard for Jesus. And life went on. As life went on, I had to just stare at God. I didn't know. All I knew is I'd sit there the rest of my life. All I knew is that was my future. All I knew was that, that yeah, this life of giving it to God was ending up in this. And the only way it made any sense is if, at that moment, God was bigger than I thought. If God was more greater than I thought, that his love for me was greater than I would experienced. And I just leaned into God. I said, God, I want to know that God. And it was such a hard journey because my circumstances were running my life. But I love that journey by letting God run my life, not my circumstances. And I just went on this journey of staring at God. One day, I had no idea what was going on. They take me out, and they put me on a bus. They sat me next to an African-American man. I didn't know he was American, though. <laughs> and I look and talk to him, I said, do you, do you speak English? He's like, yes, I do. And then I recognized that accent. I think he might be American. I said, where are you from? He's like, Louisiana. <laughs> I'm like, you're an American. He's like, oh, yeah. I said, me too. We're like, what's up, what's up? I said, dude, how long have you been here? He's like, uh, 15 months. I'm like, you're joking. He's like, no, 15 months. I said, why? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, no, seriously, how long have you been here? He's like, 15 months. I don't know why. And they heard us gabbing, and they separated us. I do know he got out. He got out a few months after me. But I'll never forget that night. That night, I remember sitting in my cell. Every night, I would want to have at least a moment of dreaming that things would change. You know, of getting out of there. I didn't care how I got out. You know, Brad Pitt or Matt Damon with a rope from the ceiling. That works. (laughs) Or what about the Christian thing, you know, (laughs) an angel at the door. (laughs) And that night, I got really honest. Like, Dan, you've been wrestling with this reality. You're finally getting some real facts. Here's an American, he's been here 15 months. Like, you could be here 15 months, Dan. Like, you could be here five years. Like, this could be it. And I'll never forget that moment. I lied in my cell and sat there up all night, and I just wanted one thing, is I just wanted to understand I just wanted to understand how could this be God's will? How could this be God's plan for me? And I just wanted to figure it out. And every time I asked God again and again, he said nothing. I hear nothing all the time. And I remember that night rustling till early in the morning. What I wanted was to understand. What God wanted was that I trust him. Was that I trust him. And I remember, I don't know the time, but I had to give up that last bit of control. And I say, God, I don't understand why I would sit here the rest of my life, but I don't need to understand. I trust you. I trust you with what makes no sense. I trust you with what I can't understand. Why? Because I know you're good. I trust you that you're good. You throw rocks with me. You like me. I know that. And I trust you. My, I don't need to understand it. I just trust you. And wonderful, Jesus won my heart again. What happens when God wins our heart? He has a wonderful surprise off and around the corner. <laughs> Why? Because he's really good. Three hours later, they came to my room. They said, gather your sugar cubes. You're moving. They're like, you got a lot. I said, oh, yeah, I got a lot of them. <laughs> Took a while and put them all in the blanket. (laughs) I don't know where I'm going, to another room. They take me to a room and there they said get dressed. I'm expecting another set of prison clothes and said it was my clothes. I'm like, what? So they didn't fit. I lost 55 pounds (laughs) holding my pants like this. (laughs) And the only thought I had is why am I getting dressed is maybe it was my day of execution because I knew people were getting killed in there. They took me to a courthouse, but this time not to a courtroom, this time to a simple office. As I sat down, in walks a judge. I didn't know it, but he was the head judge of all the courts of Iran. Again, I had been traveling on my Swiss passport as my dad is Swiss, they had an embassy there. And the judge looks, stands up, and he says this. Today, as we've been working with the Swiss embassy, we choose today to release Dan Bauman, and he's a free man. <laughs> and I'm like, Jesus, <laughs> I'm expecting to die. And Jesus was like, Surprise! <laughs> I got up. The Swiss ambassador was in the room. He's like, You're coming with me. I'm like, Yes, sir. And I got into his car, and I locked those doors. (laughs) I was three days in the country. The president of the country had allowed me to go. He had signed an executive thing. He overruled the parliament or the congress of the nation. It was very tight. I know that that man has given his life to Jesus since that day. (laughs) Come on, Jesus. And God let me go, and I flew to Switzerland. My mom, friend from South Africa came, and God gave me my freedom back. The freedom to go for a walk. The freedom to look at the sky. The freedom to live life. You know, not play with sugar cubes. (laughs) All the freedoms in life I'd taken for granted. God gave them back to me. But the greatest one is I could throw rocks with God again. In a parallel to today, Satan is trying to take away all the freedoms that we enjoy. He's trying to get after us, getting after our heart as the fear has been rising, the questions have been rising, and the isolation has been rising. Oh, and I look back to that prison time, and it gives me hope. If God can rescue me from prison, he can rescue me today. If God can set me free to run life and do life with him, no matter how I'm afraid, no matter what others are saying, no matter what's going on internally, he can do it again today. That's who Jesus is. The best days are ahead, friends. God's going to win. He's going to win here in New York. He's going to win everywhere. I know it. I know it inside. We all know it, don't we? And we just want to believe it. And Jesus invites us to simply stare at him. Simply look at him. Let him be that best friend. Let him be that one who wants to throw rocks with you. What do you like doing? (laughs) Invite Jesus to do that with you. Because he really likes you. (laughs) like he really does, (laughs) like he really does, (laughs) like I woke up this morning, he's like chattering, you know, (laughs) Dan, tell him I like him, (laughs) I'm like, they already know that, he's like, "Uh, no, tell him again, (laughs) that's who Jesus is, like he has your, your name on his mind, like he's thinking about you, he's not thinking about you just about what you might do for him. He's thinking about you because he really likes you. This came home to me so many times throughout my life, a God who, who's for me and invited, wants me to be, be his. I remember <clears throat> yeah, a story I heard a few years ago really, really challenged me. A dear pastor friend from New Zealand, Pastor Ken, came to our YWAM base in Kona. He'd been talking about his life, He's gone to have, since gone to heaven, but he stood up in front of us. He had been a pastor for 40 years, and he began to tell this story that in the journey of 40 years of being a pastor, so many times God would lead him on a, a journey of different things at different seasons for, for what God was doing, and he began to describe a season he had just ended where the Holy Spirit had said, for 30 days, I want you to wake up two or three in the morning and just enjoy me a season of just enjoying God. Of course, he had done that throughout the day anyway, but a season where it wasn't just focused on praying for things or getting things done, which was a beautiful part of his journey anyway, but for that one season to have a season of 30 days of just enjoying God. So he did it. He said, on the last day of doing that, I remember sitting in my room where I was having that time of enjoying God, And I started to feel water dripping from the ceiling. And so he says, yeah, I remember standing up to look at where it was. And standing behind me, it was simply Jesus. The water wasn't from the ceiling. There were tears from Jesus' eyes. And I looked at Jesus. And Jesus said this right to my heart. He said, sir, I'm really sad these days are ending. I know they need to. But I just wanted you to know, thank you, thank you, thank you for these 30 days of just enjoying me like, like this, in this way. Ken, I've got many people who serve me. I don't have a lot of friends. Thanks for being my friend. That's who Jesus is. That's who Jesus is. And I felt like from the Lord, even with the holiday season coming up, Jesus wants to invite us to that deeper friendship. Friendship. He wants to invite all of us. Yes, we got the, the noise of what's going on around us. Yes, the challenges. But oh, that it would be a season where we run to Jesus and get to and be with him. And the loving heart of God. Yeah, may we live before the audience of one like Misty challenges us. I want to live there. I want to live there over this holiday. Yeah, I got a lot of things I can do, a lot of things going on. Yeah, a lot of challenges. There's so much fear and stuff. But oh, that we would hear the wonderful cry of Jesus saying, "Come, come, Ha, <laughs> ha. Yeah. And I want to live that life, God. I want to live that life that all that matters is Jesus. I want to live that life, God that throwing rocks is another is another thing that happens again and again and again, not just from years ago. Amen. So excited for this holiday. So excited for the victories God's going to bring. But I'm most excited (laughs) that we get a chance to run to him and enjoy him. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and let's pray. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can also follow us on Instagram at LifeCenterNYC or YouTube at LifeCenterChurchNYC.